everybody. Happy Election Day. You still get a Star Trek episode. Make sure you give you something to listen to while you're uh, waiting in line outside in the hopefully no rain. Looks like it's not going to rain anywhere, but it should be cold everywhere. Cold in our hearts. <laughs> we'll see how we feel the next the next dawn that we get after tomorrow, Clay. Maybe mm, something yeah. will be different. Yeah, my dog uh, feels like there's something wrong because it's, it's colder earlier. And so uh, he goes into like freak out hibernation mode and he just starts eating everything he can get his hands on yep. or his mouth rather um, and scouring the floor for it. And it, then it's going to Wednesday, it's going to be like 60 degrees and he's going to sweat his ass off and be very confused. We got a beautiful <clears> stretch. <throat> much it's, it's much better than sitting on a rock on the top of a, uh, a mountain with the sun beating down on you as you're in some kind of do, do they vote in Star Trek? What are, how do, what's the, the political structure like? That's interesting. I don't. Um, it's democratic, I would assume, but I don't think I've ever seen a a, a ballot episode. That would be that would be kind of. Um, there's something Discovery can do. We'll, there's we'll no bring back uh, the ballot box. There's no Enterprise episode where uh, Trip has to fill out his absentee ballot for like <laughs> City Councilman of <laughs> Florida, wherever he's from. As long as he gets it in early, things will be fine. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Dawn, obviously, which is the next Star Trek Enterprise episode. Um, we'll take a break, play a clip from the episode, and we'll come back and we'll break it down. Any progress? We searched five of the moons. No sign of Commander Tucker or the Arconian ship. And the Arconians? It appears they've made no progress either. They're continuing to search the moons they agreed to. This is their territory. They could have called for more ships to help search. I'm afraid they don't trust us. Dawn is the 13th episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on January 8th, 2003. Written by John Sheban, directed by Roxanne Dawson. In-universe date is unknown, but it's 2152. In this episode, while in a shuttle pod performing tests, Tucker is attacked by a hostile alien, forced to crash land on a desolate moon where he makes a friend and everyone learns a lesson. Um, This one, have you ever seen Enemy Mine? Enemy Mine, the Dennis Quaid movie? No, I'm aware of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it either. But it's it's apparently a um, a near plagiarism. This episode is like near plagiarism of that movie, I guess, down to like the way that the alien looks as a reptilian type oh, really? creature. But um, yeah, hmm. people. More- yeah, I uh, I know there's at least. I feel like there's at least one, if not more, episodes of the Twilight Zone that is this similar setup. And mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, a couple of weeks ago with Precious Cargo, I called that sexy Darmok. This is kind of like violent Darmok. Yeah. This one's so much it's more. Not, <laughs> it's not exactly a unique concept to Star Trek either. No, it's it's not. Although, I think um, this one's much more like Darmok than Precious Cargo is. Yeah. I think like this is uh, really like kind of what you think about this one is whether or not you think it's acceptable for the show to so blatantly do Darmok again, really. Um, because it's one thing to copy like a forgotten episode that maybe a lot of people don't talk about, but they're they're ripping off a fairly popular famous episode of Star Trek. Not ripping off, but they're they're redoing it. And it's um, uh it's kind of like it's kind of like Ice Ice Baby to Under Pressure, sort of. Yeah. Where it's like... Uh, Added that yeah. extra eighth note or something. Yeah, that extra eighth note and the rap on top makes it a different song, but it's more or less the same song. Although, depending on your feeling of Ice Ice Baby, maybe 
sub, more subpar, I suppose, than, than the original version. I um, <laughs> all I can really think about, like I, I think that this is a, this is almost like a perfect description of Enterprise to me mm-hmm. at this point. Like it's like yeah, f- they copied Darmok and they did it. They did a so, they, they did a thoroughly average job of copying Darmok. Uh, this is a good episode for Enterprise, <coughs> but it's not a particularly good episode in general across the franchise and. All sure. I could think about while watching this was, um, it's more like it'll turn this episode into a Darmok episode. You did Darmok with me, I think, um, yes. but we haven't watched yeah. it in a long time. But all it really made me think about is Darmok did a lot great with its concept. Like Darmok's really kind of like, it, it takes this rather um, redundant idea or an idea that everyone's done before where it's like two people stuck in a situation where they can't understand each other. But Darmok layers on that like really interesting linguistic thing. It adds in like a sense of the captain of the alien ship is intentionally traps himself in Picard to try to get across mm-hmm. the point to him. It's not like it's a misunderstanding that just leads to violence. So there's like a, a tragedy to his result where he dies at the end of it, but he gets his point across and they learn how to communicate with each other. And uh, Don just takes everything and strips away whatever makes Darmok good. And it leaves you yeah. with just like the generic plot that's left behind. And that's, that's really what enterprise does a lot of the time. I feel like, well, the, uh, it's kind of like, um, where Darmok was all about, <clears throat> excuse me, all about the, uh, understanding, ultimate understanding of each other. This one, it's like trip goes, I guy, I'm just not getting it. Can we just let's let's just do what we can and get out of here? Like they and you know it's it's it, clearly they're they're after different things. And yeah, this is a much more um, run of the mill kind of way to do this type of story. Um, it's actually, funnily enough, um, when we did Precious Cargo, this episode is basically what I would have preferred Precious Cargo to be, where he can't understand the other person the whole time. Yeah. And it's an infinitely better episode because of it. <laughs> and yeah, it's not, I wouldn't call it a great episode. I thought it was pretty good. I, for the story that they were telling, I thought they did a pretty good job. I think it's good. I think it's a good Enterprise episode to this point. Yeah, it's like, a, I would say it's a very good Enterprise episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has the best, most exciting cold open they've had in like a season and a half. Yep. Or instead of just like, yawning and checking his watch something actually happens pertinent to the story yeah trip gets shot out of the sky and crash lands and everything like that <laughs> and um there, there there is what i think what i think the best moment from this episode was is actually totally unrelated to trip and the alien i thought for some for whatever reason the the b plot with to paul and archer and the vulcans knowing about these our Arconians was really well done. Like I am, um, it was so well done. I was surprised to this point that I don't think they've ever done to Paul giving Archer a story about a Vulcan interaction before the humans got there that felt as natural as this one did. Mm. And like in a way that I, I feel like the show is trying to do this with to Paul, but what it may, really made me stick out uh, in terms of her is that you don't get a lot of episodes where to Paul really advises Archer about things. And that's mm. that's her role in this series. And it felt like this one was such a good job of her advising him that it really stuck out to me in a way that it's like she, she should be doing this more much more often with him because 
um, I think it just comes across, she comes across as helpful in this one, or she has information that's helpful to the situation. I think to Paul, and I never really realized it until this point, to Paul kind of has a bad habit of, she almost comes across as if she's impatient with them. And mm. I think that worked early in the season, but I, I, I much appreciate her um, calmer demeanor here where she relates the story, but it isn't sort of like in frustration that the humans can't do things. They're working together. And I just thought it was a really effective sequence between the two of them. It's not a major part of the plot, but it, it worked well. And I thought Archer and Bacula was played well too. Well, it's the first time that, that she's really relayed one of these stories um, in a manner that, puts the Vulcans in a position where they she's admitting they did something wrong or they weren't successful or they they weren't because usually it's like uh like you said it's usually berating or chastising Archer for not doing things and yeah strip the, the pride away from to, the Vulcans interestingly yeah. but yeah and it's uh I I thought it was good I thought it was surprisingly not a lot was done with it they just kind of did a couple short scenes and then they didn't really touch on it again until the end yeah um I didn't mind really that though. That felt, little that little yeah. button at the end, just being a, um, well, you did like it. Kind of feels like the show yeah. has been trying to get to that point of like, well, Archie, you did something better than the Vulcans have done ever. Well, you know, it's you know, it's I guess if you're, it depends on how you're looking at that last scene because I do also like that last scene, but given that last scene, if you were to just watch that last scene, right, and not the rest of the episode. You would probably assume that the episode was about Archer uh, going lengths to find Trip and to make connections with this the arcade with the Arconians. Arcon- Arconians, yeah, Arconians, yeah. I think. And like you, it feels like a Archer-centered story that he ultimately prevails and and kind of and finds the the uh, uh, the ground that the Vulcans couldn't. It's not really that at all. It all of that stuff is happening off screen, but. What T'Pol is saying could also be applied to humans in general, um, which makes sense if you look at the entire story and it's like, okay, yeah, what Trip did is equally as important as what Archer did. But just the way that the way that they present that scene, it feels like it's a this is the end of Archer's story where he did all of this stuff to break through to these people. And really we only see him get yelled at in one scene and mm-hmm. then everything's kind of fine. Like at the end, at the end, when they get back, uh, he's, he, he even says something where he's like, yeah, well, they really helped us out uh, finding you guys. And it's like, okay, okay, well, we never saw, we just saw you get yelled at. We didn't really see any sort of diplomacy or anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think it, it, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily bad. It's just an, it's a, <clears throat> the way that it's structured and, and laid out seems like a lot happens off screen. Um, so yeah, I guess your mileage will vary as, as as how much you how much you care about that stuff. Yeah, I I just I thought it felt I thought it felt nuanced in a way that these kind mm-hmm. of sequences don't usually. Uh, down to to Paul, and then down to the the Arconian captain is still is still like, get the fuck out of here. Like he's still, he's still, he Archer wins, but it's a small victory, which I kind of appreciate. Right, like right. it's a, yeah, he, he doesn't make a great alliance with these things, but he did. He, he just got one cl- uh, foot, one step closer than the Vulcans ever did. And Tapal brings that up to him. 
Um, it's true I can't wait till they. I can't wait till they show up to save them in the season finale. Just <laughs> out of nowhere, their entire fleet of people who just learned how to fly spaceships <laughs> just and now are uh, and, and destroying the job the done. galaxy's greatest villain to help them. That's that's pretty. Like it just felt it felt subtle in a way that sometimes Enterprise does, and I would agree that Archer isn't really the one who's there. They do follow it up with the trip and uh, the Zokan or whatever that guy's name is at the end, where they mm. have a little scene together. Um, but it's just as much as I like the Archer stuff like that, I I do look at the episode itself with Trip and this the other alien on the on the um the planets or the moon or whatever. It's really well directed. Roxanne Dawson's a good director. Mm. Um their fight sequence is actually probably one of my favorite fight sequences the Enterprise yeah, Enterprise good. has ever done. It's pretty it feels yeah. realistic and hard hitting what they're doing. Um although I do I don't know if I'm just getting older at this point, but it was one of those things where I'm watching this and I started to see the ridiculousness of how many times Trip gets punched in the face <laughs> where it's just like pow, 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 pow. It's in my head. I'm like, okay, I get it. I know it's TV, but you know. it's no Rocky sequence where he's just, I was just going to say on the other hand, two hours on the other hand, the Rocky movies are some of my favorite movies. So, well, that's the point there. He just Call takes, a, takes a beating and just keeps, keeps on going. I know the, yeah. the, uh, I once, when I was in elementary school, we got we had a coloring book that was um, an Olympic sports coloring book, and one of the sports in the coloring book that you could color was uh, was a boxing match, and I colored it like a Rocky match. So I colored I was blood flying everywhere and like it was just oozing and spraying, mm-hmm. and I got in trouble for it. <laughs> <clears throat> you uh, dent dent to the the Soviet uh, and USA style. Uh, style shorts and everything like that it's a little gruesome mm. a little gruesome with too much blood in a coloring book <laughs> i like the story of uh elementary school with a with a coloring book the adult coloring is kind of taking off there's like adult yeah. coloring books now i suppose which a is, lot of them yeah it seems to be like a stress reliever for yes, people yeah which is which makes sense yeah it's uh i i have a prop I, not that i have a problem with it because obviously do it but um like i would have to shut my brain off, I think, because since I deal in art on the black market, um, <laughs> that sounded a lot. Co- that that sounded a lot Indiana shadier Jones than I. Yeah. <laughs> I deal in art. I deal in art. No, um, I would have to. I think I would have to actively just color it like nonsense. Otherwise, I would get too concerned working like you know light and shadow compositions, sure. and I that's not what they're for. You yeah. Know? No. <laughs> it's anyway, just about the, uh, the yeah. It's just about staying in the lines, having a little bit of um, freedom, but without freedom. That you have to stay where you want to be, and then just be responsible for your colors. I do like um, I do like coloring. I should buy myself an adult coloring book. Maybe there's one of this episode that I can go out there and buy. It's I beige. can almost guarantee you there is a Star Trek adult coloring book. Yeah. Adults always makes things sound a little bit strange. It does. Though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all different poses of data being fully functional. That's right. Did you see that? Um, I don't know what it says about this. Did you see that? There was a YouTube clip. I should have posted. They they did the uh, Irishman AI to data in Picard in a scene where they, they used AI no. to make him look like original data as opposed to old oh, Brent really? Spiner. It actually it look? it looks good. 
and it's very short. It's only like a seven second clip. It's like Picard is talking sure. and then it, it cuts to date and he says like one sentence and it's two, you know, three seconds of screen time for him. But um, it actually changes things in that where if data is young and you're not really like even subconsciously distracted by the fact that Brent Spiner is old now and you're looking mm-hmm. at an old man playing data, it um to have data or to have Picard dreaming about data the way he used to look really felt like much more emotionally impactful than seeing him yeah. dressed up again. It was it was strange. They should have done it from the beginning and at this point the AI should just take over and do that kind of stuff. But anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, Dawn is fairly generic and boring. I think that's where, where our, our digressions are coming from. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, though, is the problem. Um, it's just Darmok was good. And the, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just came away from this one just like this is the problem with Enterprise to this point. I was reading one review. It's just like where Darmok is collegiate level. This is like junior, junior varsity level. And it's sure. like, yeah. It is, and it falls under the same category for me. Not quite as egregious as like Marauders, right? But it's a fairly stock play of what if there's two soldiers stuck on a planet and they can't understand each other? Like yeah. it's not even it's not even Twilight Zone level because there's no twist and there's no like third act turn. However, I do ha- I did really like that they couldn't beam them out. I thought that was a nice little late third act, you know, uh, ratchet the stakes up a little bit. Yeah. Well, they can beam um, trip out. They, can, they can't right, beam. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they could beam trip out and not the other guy. I like that. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's fairly just by the numbers formulaic story of this situation. Even there was some stuff that stu- stood out to me as <laughs> like uh, um, the one – the one that I just was like scratching my head about was when Trip sets up his iPod to play his voice memo back to mm-hmm. distract the guy. He goes over to the the campfire area where he's got Trip's stuff. Yeah. And somehow Trip is unable to get all that shit together and leave before the guy yeah. comes back. <laughs> guy comes like back. he's yeah. just doing like business. He's working on it. We're, yeah, he's like picking it up and kind of like putting it down. It's like stage business. Yeah. Kind of, you know, when people are eating on in a show or something, you never see them chew. Push it, pushing like food around on a plate. Pushing food, clinking the plates, you know. And uh, so then the guy comes back. And he's like, oh, shit, I got to get out of here. Um, So it's like even there, it's like you couldn't have thought up a uh, more constructive thing, interesting thing to do instead of him. He just goes there and hangs around long enough till he has to run out. You know, it's just yep. it's. It's fairly uh, how uh, the I on the other hand though, I really liked the dust uh, setting off or showing him the laser thing. I thought that was that was a nice little uh, little detail. Yeah, what what he slips and he discovers the um, the wire and then <laughs> the alien runs into it as he's running back to find him and just goes ah, right. yeah. ah my, my trap. Um, yeah, I I think it's just like well, there's nothing wrong with it. You run into, and maybe it's not even fair to compare it to Darmok, but I think that the differences is interesting between them, where the reason that they get together in Darmok is much more of like a natural build, where the, the only captain beams Picard down with him. Picard is like, what the hell is going on? And he's, always, he's staying away from the other captain. The al- other alien captain builds a fire eventually, and Picard is sort of like drawn to it because he's cold over the course. And it's it's this initial sort of just like, 
small bonding moments. And this feels frustratingly in the other direction where they're Mm -hmm. antagonistic. So even with a moment where Trip is, you know, the alien heals him after he gets his cuts. And then Trip is like, all right, you and me, we're going to go get food. And the alien's like, okay. And then they get into their big fist fight, you know? And it's like, there's no... There's no believable building of their relationship because they're just so angry at each other and mm-hmm. they will attack each other until the very end. And it's just, it doesn't have any, um, it just doesn't have anything else going on beyond that. And that's what makes Starmok much more interesting and this less so. And it's not like I don't even believe that they would get into a fight or that this species is hyper-violent or something, but it's yeah. you just see it all coming, really, and it's like, eh, right. eh, that's fine. That, sure. There's no, there's just no spice in the, in the, in the soup. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, the, I, I apologize, I'm sure, I'm sure there's Twilight Zone fans screaming at me right now for not being more specific because there's a, there is a very famous Twilight Zone episode with, um, Charles Bronson and uh, Elizabeth Montgomery the, from Bewitched, mm-hmm. where they are soldiers, the, the two remaining soldiers of the last world war, I think it is. Yep. So everybody else on the planet is dead, except one guy from America and one girl from like Germany, so mm-hmm. they can't talk to each other. And uh, it's like, that's a great <laughs> setup. That's a great, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Oh, they can't understand each other? Well, what's the hook? All right, here's the hook. This one doesn't really have a hook. It's just... Yeah, they just don't. I think they they just don't understand each other. Yeah, did I mean? <clears throat> ends with trip. Just like Hoshi, you're going to be proud of me. I learned five words from what yeah. from what these aliens can say. Um, yeah, somewhere somewhere Picard is reading that uh, mission report, and he's like, five words. I learned the whole language. <laughs> I was down. I learned everything. It was a good idea. And like that, that a language based on metaphor. We we'll just go back and review Darmok. It's yeah. It's I mean, I don't know. That's I. I think that's ultimately my final form. I think is a language based entirely on metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's called killing time in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, soup. No spice in soup. Bad episode. Bad. Bad. I can't. I can't remember what the this guy says for bad. Like that's the. Even on a like a branding marketing level, it's like Tarmac and Gelada Tanagra is more memorable than whatever the fuck this guy says all the time. Yeah. The trip, and you're supposed to be like, he has one word for his, like, on, his dirt wine or whatever he's drinking, but you can't put whatever he says on a t shirt. No, and have people shock when the walls fell. No, although but. maybe we should try. You can buy your you can buy it at T Public uh, slash Ar- Arcadian, <laughs> Arconian. Uh, gibberish t-shirt from penske file at teespring i did like the uh the little like double tick uh head nod thing that was nice that was a nice little detail that the alien did <clears throat> yeah yeah they, they do it they do it to each other at the end yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um they're always good episodes when they do it to each other in the end this, this <laughs> that's what elevates this stuff yeah i don't um I don't, I don't really have anything else to say about this one. Um, it's a it's a totally functional enterprise episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, trips out there by himself. I like the I like the the planet shots of the the moons and stuff. They look kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I was surprised that it looked uh, all that good. I thought the ships looked great too. Ships look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, 
And that's pretty much it. Are we done? Do you have anything I, uh, else to say about this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I really liked the guy, the performance from the alien. Um, I thought the makeup was really good. The makeup was makeup like, is fantastic. They're they're actually yeah. kind of scary. These these guys. The makeup makes them look pretty ferocious. Yeah, it, it almost seemed like someone. <laughs> the reverse. Uh, the, going from uh, Deep Space Nine to Enterprise is like the reverse of what they've done from every other series of Star Trek to Discovery, where it almost looked like someone saw the Jem Hadar makeup and was like, I think we can streamline this and make it a little bit more natural and just like shrunk it down and, and kind of accented the right parts, but then like made it a little bit less bulky. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, now in Discovery, everything is incredibly bulky and weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> 20 20 years later somehow yeah um yeah. but he i thought his performance was great he really worked through that makeup um those close-ups when they're fighting i it must have been a long day for him because he was constantly going like like making his mouth as big and wide as possible so yeah. you could see all of his teeth and uh, i thought it was really effective it's a good fight scene between the two of them um it's uh, Roxanne Dawson uh, is Bolana Torres on Voyager, but she's she's good as a director. We talked about that the first time that she came uh, around is and she, directed an episode. Do you know is she still a working director? Because I think so. I, I would hope she is. I think so, but I'm not sure. I would assume so because I think she's on the level with Frakes and everything like that. So mm-hmm. um, here's a question: If we want something to talk about, yeah. do you think? <laughs> Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> I was. I thought I had more to say about. <laughs> I thought I had more to say. I've got about something this. we could talk about. <sighs> um, who who did a better soft reboot, this of Darmok or Discovery of uh, Time and Effect? Because that was the first. Is that is time and effect? Is that the one that keeps effect. blowing up? Is that cause and effect? Cause effect. Where, the one where you're talking about the first season where mud's mud keeps going back in time. Yeah, because that was like the only episode where we were like this is actually really good, and it was just a straight lift of that other one. That's a better one because at least that is cause and effect while being carjacked. You know, like sure. the, there's there's a little bit of something else going on there. This one's just a straight lift of it. Uh, so I, you know. We hardly ever rate them because Discovery feels so different, but I would say that the, that Discovery episode is better than this Dawn episode because that's probably the best mm. Discovery episode that they ever had. Um, yeah, I mean, well, so I guess you can just move it into more of a meta area. Like, is this is it acceptable that Enterprise did this episode? This Dharma sure. lift? Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I, um, I think the setup is a generic enough setup that it's we're we're only saying oh they just did darmok because darmok is like one of the top 10 classic yep. episodes from the entire franchise yep whereas if this this layout this setup is not anything specific i i would be very surprised if anybody was actively like you know what we should do we should just rip off to, you know i would be Really surprised if anybody was uh, um, too aware that they were doing that because it is a fairly generic setup. Yeah, I, I, I think as I said at the the start, that's kind of the problem. It's it's yeah. um, they they just they took a very famous idea and a famous episode from them and did it again. 
and it's just funny because we've been talking about like enterprise. But see, sorry, but I was, but what I mean is like I don't even know if if they necessarily were aware that's what they did, right? And like I, I don't, I, I, I think it might just be. I'm not saying it's an exact coincidence, but I don't know if anybody was like, "Ooh, should we do this? This is kind of like this is we're just ripping off Darmok." Yeah, I don't think it's intentional. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'd actually be the other way. I'd be surprised if no one, while they were shooting, just goes, "This is just exactly like Darmok." <laughs> like this is this is this is because um, it's so the the franchise is just so insular in that way, and it's like mm-hmm. you know Braga's running this thing, and he was he's there for Darmok and everything. Um, I think that there's, I think it's a it's a tough road to hoe because if they did it better. Like if Enterprise was going to do this, I would, I would be Braga and just say, "Let's take some of the shittiest episodes of TNG and just see if we could do these better." You know, like redo I'm it again. Always, for, yeah, I'm always for that. That's why I've never understood when they remake good movies, right? Because I was like, "Why don't you take the bad movies that have kernels of good stuff in them right. and make good movies <laughs> and actually out of them. do something?" That would be that's the only that's the only like criticism I would have is that like if you're going to do something this close, <clears throat> just take Masterpiece Society, take. Uh, matter of perspective or something and just like redo it again brandon we send them <laughs> down to the planet they can't understand anything each other is saying but the twist is they're on a planet run by women and the bosoms are huge <laughs> we'll call it angel uh two <laughs> again angel again they're extremely thirsty these women are breastfeeding <laughs> it's extremely erotic brandon. we'll call it the naked now. <laughs> no, unfortunately, Brandon. My biggest problem with those naked episodes, I, I, you can probably guess what it is. <laughs> False advertising is seen, what I'm seen, saying. Seen everything. Yeah, I um. The only other thing that I really thought was why, why did they sit on the sunniest side of that rock? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. It's like this rocks literally everywhere. They couldn't have like shuffled over to the shade of a rock. No, it's, it's not. It's not like the plains of Kansas or anything where right, you just can't yeah. hide. It's a jagged, craggy rock where they he climbs up to the top of a mountain and sits on the sunny side of it and never gets yeah. off the other. Gets. I, I mean, I guess you could. I guess your argument could be that oh well, he had to stay by the communicator or whatever. The communicator works in the, the shade. I would assume as long as he's high yeah. up there. Yeah, I I think there's I think there's they could have figured it out if they really wanted to. Yeah, it's, um, especially especially with that dude dying. Yeah, you know you couldn't just like move him to the shit. You don't need him there. He's not talking to anybody. It's the wrong character taking his shirt off. Basically, like the the, the reptile guy <laughs> should take his his nylon jumper off, and Trip should put his shirt back on after dousing it with water or something. Yeah, I think that's it. I'll take a break. Play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, give our final thoughts, read some patron thoughts. Maybe they'll spur us to something else. And then we will wrap up Dawn. There's something in this atmosphere that'll affect the engines. It's selenium isotopes. But we don't think it will interfere with the transporter. I'm not alone, Captain. We know. The Arconians helped us find you. How are you and their pilot getting along? Uh, Just like old friends. I'm a little worried, though. He's gotten very dehydrated. Stand by, Trip. Thank you very much for listening to our coverage of Dawn. 
If you're a listener and you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash file and support the show there. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts and behind-the-scenes stuff. There's the polls that you can take to decide uh, what we talk about. We just uh, did the Halloween special where we covered the platform and TNG's Genesis episode. And as always, our Captain Cheer supporters get a special thank you to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matthew Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Ellick, Eric Johnson, Andrew Chola, Grim Santo, Point Extra G, Dwayne Hackett, Apollo Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Kate Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Larry, Eric Antoine, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Timothy Cooley, Zane Majors, and Silent Blue. Thank you very much for you know, the show. I've been thinking. It's set up for this. How come we're not pushing the Patreon more like a multi-level marketing scheme slash like cult kind of situation? You know, doing the thing where it's like, you're a level five subscriber. That's fantastic. You know, it's great that you're here. But what you should really be doing is spending every day trying to better yourself and learning and to become a, a $10 supporter. From that point on, because that it'll be the next section of your life, and it will honestly... After that point, there's nowhere to go. That's right. Up. I just tell them they get the real podcast when they go up a level. <laughs> I'll, tell, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the real story. Once you, what uh, we're once talking about right now is just a taste. What you really want is the truth, right? Well, in order to get the truth, you have to first meet some personal goals. And those personal goals have money linked very specifically <laughs> to them. Specifically, linking that money to us. I want you to give until it hurts. It's basically <laughs> this is our prosperity gospel that I am I'm uh, now saying to you and uh, thank you patrons for supporting. We the will show. send you a different colored hair tie which you can re- wear around your wrist to let everybody know what level subscriber you're at and how much closer you are to personal enlightenment. Personal enlightenment through giving us cash. She give out those water bottles that the guy was drinking his mud water from. It's <laughs> color-coded to, to show you how much flair you have. We'll go to patron thoughts about Dawn. There's about eight of them. Matt Ross says, okay, this story, Enemy Mine or Galactica 1980s Return of Starbuck or Voyager's episode Gravity, two enemies must work together on a planet that's difficult to survive on. It's at this point in the season I could swear the writers are going through a file cabinet of old stories and it feels like it. Why the hell are you sending out the chief engineer in a shuttle by himself and almost out of range? Too many other older, better stories and a touch of Voyager for good measure. It's fine. We're all fine here. Thomas Darnell says, I guess every series has to take a shot at this one. It worked, but Trenier was pushed to the limit of his ability by spouting off a constant stream of dialogue for someone who clearly can't understand a word of it. There ought to be a lot of shade on the other side of that rock that they're on. Seems worth checking out, all things considered. And when the alien spits on that cut and heals it, and later spits in Tripp's eyes, well, he's okay, I guess. I like the Arconians. They seemed like a realistic race. I'm going to give it a low four. They, um, they are really putting him through the ringer on this show. The last, like, handful of episodes have been very heavy trip either is getting the shit kicked out of him or tortured in some way or he's doing like <laughs> all of the heavy lifting this yeah. one and precious cargo are more or less the same episode and it involves him doing the lion's share of the acting on screen <clears throat> are they trying to position him as like the breakout heartthrob or something do you think he doesn't work as the main character of the series 
of the series? Well, we did we did our power rankings at the end of season one, which for mm-hmm. whatever reason, because we've done Lower Decks and Discovery, feels like it was six years ago that we finished season right. one of Enterprise. But like, we, I legitimately thought we were in season three. Of <laughs> so we ranked uh, Phlox to Paul and Archer in the top three. Mm-hmm. I think Trip is in my top three at this point. I think Archer gets bumped. I don't know because I Trip is getting a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. but I don't really know if he's doing much. You don't find that his um, um, personality and characterization doesn't work better than Archer in these kinds of adventures, like specifically for Enterprise. I, I think that his, I think that his sort of like gung ho good old yeah. boy attitude yeah. works better, and Archer feels a little bit too reserved now. Um, that would be the. Yeah. I, I think that's really what it is. It's uh, like if you're seeing if you saw this episode with Archer, I think it's actually a worse episode if it's Archer down there on the planet. Yeah, I, I don't think as much as I like Scott Bakula, in in the things that he does well, I don't think this episode would have been one of them. Unfortunately, would he have been good I in Precious Cargo? I don't think he has I the charisma know. that Trenier does. Really, yeah. I think that's the thing is he's got Bacula kind of has that one speed he does everything at. And I think it would get a little bit tiring yeah. in an episode like this. Yeah. I, I, I like Tripp. I think Tripp's a pretty solid character in this. And um, he's, I think he's just the, he's the action version of a character that this show kind of demands to have, like with all the fist mm-hmm. fights and all the phaser fights and all the action sequences that they have to do. I, I just kind of buy him more as sure. that character. Um, it's for me, what's strange is it feels like a very, a very artificial uh, positioning of him in that role. Cause it's not like I'm watching the show going, man, I can't wait to see what hijinks Trip gets himself into this week and mm-hmm. how frustrated he gets about it in a Harrison Ford kind of way. It's, I don't, you know, it's just, it's like, oh, well, he, they just keep throwing him into these situations and they're all mm, fine. They're fine. Yeah. He, um, he has, I think the problem with him is that he has the least nuanced view of situations. So, mm-hmm. When you endlessly put him in situations like this, it does feel like a sort of proto Star Trek in a lot of ways, like an early version of the Enterprise going out there. Like this is the prequel series and this is the first thing mm-hmm. that we're seeing. But at the same time, that kind of makes it feel in, in some ways less like Star Trek because mm-hmm. you don't have that Archer or T'Pol vision of things that are being brought into a situation like which was what Picard brought into the Darmok situation. Mm. Um so he's good for that action kind of stuff and flying by the seat of your pants. But if you actually want to have a statement about it, like Trip is not the character I would see learning a profound lesson. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, well, I think Archer works better in this story if you're going for that. If you're going for more of a Archer, the character comes out more changed in some way. I think Archer works better for that. Because I think he, he does, does in his storyline here. I think his small B storyline yeah. is kind of that effectiveness. Right, which is why it's weird that the way they play it, for me anyway, the way that they play it is that the story is an Archer story, mm-hmm. even though it's clearly a trip story. Yeah. It's, 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 a very, uh, it's a very interesting um, uh, 
juxtaposition they have there. Splitting the difference between what yeah. character what character does uh, best. Um, Thomas ended his thing with they seem like a, I do like the Arconians. I, th- I think I would actually say that they're uh, just from their design to their uh, characterization was really good. And, and mm-hmm. they, it's it's funny when a Star Trek alien race sticks out to you, but this one these guys actually did. Like I, I could see them returning almost. Like you could see them being a recurring uh, species. I don't think they ever will, but who knows? I don't think that they are. They have no. Evi- what were you gonna say? They have no depth, really. Like I think you'd have to add sure, something to yeah. them, but they. I, I just like the. Um, I was just gonna say I I I think the makeup is great, but I don't think it's unique enough to make them stand out. Let's put it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because um, I because if I'm if I'm going down the list of memorable Star Trek aliens, they all are very unique looks to them mm-hmm. and this one is kind of a little Lizard bit Cardassian Man. a little bit Jem Hadar a little yeah. bit you know it's a bunch of dust. it looks great but I just don't think it's super memorable on its own well, I mean this is the series that had the Suliban in it and the, the Suliban is right. maybe yeah. one of the worst designs uh, that they could possibly do where they just took a popcorn plaster gun and shot it all over people um that's it. Thank you, Thomas, for your comments. Next comment is Nick the Rat says, Dawn, Trip is lucky. There are so many Class M moons. The aliens look great in this episode, and the story was solid. Trip continues to be the best engineer ever, fixing alien tech without any translators, and seems to be a skilled geologist. I especially like the Roy Batty-ish Blade Runner's end speech Trip gives as well. Four out of five. A few people mentioned the... Uh, Batty speech and the mm. comments coming up. Is that when he's laying on the ground? Is that that, yeah, that yeah. moment? He's going through his greatest hits of being on Star Trek Enterprise. Mm. I haven't seen Blade Runner in a very long time. A latte librarian says, Don, it's been Did a... Did you see the second one? The no. 2049? I have not. Very good. Yep. Very good movie. Yeah. Uh, latte librarian says, it's been a long time since I've watched Enemy Mind, so I didn't mind watching it again. What kind of species evolves healing projectile spit? Good thing they couldn't use the transporter. They couldn't have dragged out the last few minutes of this episode. Why does Trip always end up shirtless around aliens? Three shadeless rocks out of five. It's like, it's just so strange to me that they're seemingly trying to position him as this like heartthrob character when everybody's already seen Travis with his shirt. I know. (laughs) What are we doing messing around with Trip for when you get Travis breaking his leg? I have to assume the writers were making fun of the situation where the cold open has trip going pretty soon. We won't need characters like Mayweather on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not, he's not even in the episode no. to be like, wait a minute. He's just literally not there. Yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't, doesn't save the day showing off his pilot skills or anything. I know. Yeah. Mayweather it's, if we need a, if we have a shirtless episode coming up, I think Mayweather is the way to go as opposed to trip. Not the trips in any kind of bad shape, but Trip's in good shape for like 1960s start. He's in Shatner yeah. shape. Yeah, yeah, he's which a, is not bad. No, but Anthony Montgomery's clearly using his time off screen to do some push-ups. Everyone's <laughs> he's got nothing else to do. He's just waiting, so he's just doing push-ups and sit-ups all day. Cardinal Doomsday says, "Don Trip and Zokan on the moon done better in Darmok, but Trip does seem to be in the wars more than he should and shirtless again." I see. A similar story was used in the Orville second season episode, Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes, a high two hairy chests out of five. 
Interesting uh, smattering of ratings for this one, actually. Yeah, fours, fours and twos. Yeah. Kyle Barrett says, Darmok, but shit. That's probably going too far, but the episode is so stock and generic that I find it incredibly dull, despite Roxanne Dawson's direction and a good guest star. We get another excuse for more sweaty, bare-chested acting from Trip, this time complete with a lame version of Roy Batty's speech from Blade Runner, and the episode would have been better if he somehow ended up pregnant again. Also, not being able to transport the lizard guy because he's too dehydrated is an all-time worst writing contrivance. Two pretend bites of food because you can't eat while wearing fake teeth out of five. Come on, that was fine. You got to do something. You want to defend? I, because I, I would actually agree with these guys who think that that's kind of a, a lame excuse. I mean, I um, they're in a tough situation because Trip has to be able to be rescued, so his sacrifice mm. is supposed to mean something, or his uh, resilience to stay back down there. But I don't know. I, I guess we haven't really talked about that. I am. Um, I understand making the writing decision that Trip chooses to stay behind. Mm-hmm. Really doesn't feel like it's in the moment to me. I, I don't know why. I, I it, it feels strange that he he would stay with him. Um, it just doesn't feel like a trip thing to do. I, I don't know. I'm I'm probably just overthinking it or just like to trying to dig something out of what it is. But when it happened, I kind of was like, really, trip stay there? Like he wouldn't come up with a better like he he's going to stay and die with him basically. Uh, instead of some other outcome. I don't know. It just felt strange. But you can also defend your the use of the uh, transporter not working on him if you want. Yeah, I, I have I have no problem with that. I I, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the problems with the transporter. Having it at all, it's always, well, why don't they just use the transporter? And so you kind of have to come up with reasons why your fancy toys don't work. And I, I especially in an episode like this, which is so... It's so by the by the numbers that them just showing up and transporting them out of there, um, I think would have just been really anticlimactic to an episode that didn't really have anything climactic about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so having having that little bit of uh, another problem they have to solve at the last minute like that, I I, I always appreciate making it harder harder to solve the problem. Um, Is there anything they could have? <clears throat> Is there anything they could have done between the like they they do get to a point where there's nothing those characters can do except lay next to each other and get sunburned. You know, they, mm. they, there's no another episode where Trip ends up almost dying of heat stroke like he did yeah, in the desert. In the desert. The desert. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he stays. Two things. Characters will learn what they've done in the past here. We've got Archer stayed with him when he was dying in the desert, so he's paying it forward to you know this bumpy face guy. Yep. And also, the last time he went through the transporter, first Hoshi ended up turning into a ghost. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and he feels really bad about that, so he's not going to do that again. So he's he's growing as a character, and you can grow as a character too for just five more dollars than you're already giving us. Low, We'd be low happy price. to give you printed out piece of paper that says you yourself have grown as a person a character and a lover you have to pay for the stamp though i'm yes. not, I'm not yeah, paying no. for the stamp Point- we need the we need the 30 cents for the sheet of paper and the ink toner as well <laughs> maybe that's where the adult coloring books will come in handy yes point extra g says don we've seen this before many times 
with different spins on it. The Enemy, Darmok. So how does it go here? Pretty decently, actually. This is a very solid episode. It's not an amazing episode, but after the run of episodes we've had, it seems like an all-time classic. That's the thing that's killing me. Is my We talked about this previously on, on the last good one that we did. Um, <laughs> you give it a four. Yeah. I uh, My barometer for this is all screwed up because compared to some of the other ones we've watched, I thought this was very watchable and good. Mm-hmm. And so I came into this being like, eh, this, probably, this might be a four. I might, I might give this one a four. <laughs> but as we've been talking about it, I'm like, no, it's not a four. It's a fine episode of, of Enterprise. Yeah. It's not get ahead of ourselves here that's um i'll finish the comments and then we can go to that uh captain brazen says he wrote a poem so forgive me if i butcher this an episode hodgepodge of the galileo seven and darmok a shirtless trip bonds with an alien by hitting him with a rock they fight it out blunder and climb some granite while they exchange cultural phrases such as damn it the pair are saved with time to spare making the story story feel stock three half-naked sweaty man prematurely reciting his epitaph out of five Thank you very much, Captain Brazen, for the work putting into your poem, which was, it is very nice. I, I, did, uh, I did like the rhyming scheme. I think I screwed it up at the very end there because you threw me off with whatever A-A-B-C uh, <laughs> rhyming scheme you had there. Um, thank you, patrons, for leaving your comments. We'll give our ratings now. There was a, a wide range, two to four, I think. No one gave it a five, mm. two to fours. Um, the rating system to me is independent of the series which i think is for my consistency what i consider to be important about it which is why i have that sort of generic this is just an average episode of something that i've seen um because if we start adjusting for the show then the ratings will come out higher and enterprise will seem like it's a better series than it actually is compared to the other things um i this is a three for me like this is a perfectly functional episode of TV and mm-hmm. this is this is actually pretty good for enterprise at this point which is yeah. it, you know what the the conversation we've had or my sort of take on it really would seem like it betrays that but it's um there's nothing really wrong with this episode you know there's nothing horrible about it it doesn't screw up yeah. anything it does some things quite nicely but at the same time it doesn't have it has that Braga thing of he called the writer in and he banged down an outline in five minutes and said, go write this script. And the guy's like, all right, I'll, I'll go write the script. And he wrote it. But there's no, um, they didn't wait till, you know, give it one night, wake up at dawn the next morning and have one tweak to this that makes it something different mm. than anything else. And it's just missing that tweak. Brandon, when I said I wanted more cast members with their shirts off, this isn't what I was talking about. <laughs> wah, wah. Are you going to give it a three? Yeah, I'm going to give it a high three. I'm going to be generous to it because I do think it's I, – I, even though it's a fairly stock story and it's not really anything to write home about, I did enjoy it. Like I think this is a much more successful stock story than Marauders yes, was. it's much better than Marauders, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think they they it's it's fine. The direction was good. I thought the performances were good. Um, <clears throat> the little bit of character stuff we get from T'Pol and Archer, I think, is really nice. So yeah, I think it's a, a, a it's a slightly above average episode of Enterprise. For um for people people curious, to me this is destroys Marauders because uh 
this one actually feels like it belongs in the show of Enterprise in a way that Marauders mm-hmm. did not. Marauders felt like completely just they took a yeah. script that had had nothing to do with Enterprise and they stuck Enterprise characters into it. Um, I like the Archer stuff here. I like that sort of Star Trek approach. I like Trip interacting with this guy for the most part. I don't think it's I don't think it's clever or deep or anything like that, but it feels like a very Trip kind of experience that he would have. Um, and that's what makes it different than Marauders, where Marauders was just relentlessly rel- added nothing to the the story that they were replaying again. And that's that's the difference between those two. Yeah, I would agree. That's it. We're done. I'm going to give it a three. Clay will give it a three. High three. I'll give it. A, I'll give. It, I give it a high three too. I don't think it's that that uh, terrible. It's just kind of unremarkable. High three. High three. And I think we're done with that. We are done. So, thank you very much for listening, people. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the If you're so interested, we'll be back with our next episode, which is Stigma. Yes, it's Stigma is the next one. And um, outside of that, you can follow the show on all the links down below. There's all the social media stuff. There is the Patreon, obviously, that I just mentioned. And then, Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we should have a new badass coming out this week, uh, hopefully, if I can get it all squared away. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty busy. Might need to uh, delay it a week. I'm not sure. Um, but after that, we've got Rotten Horror Picture Show next week. And if you haven't voted, go vote. Because if you don't vote, you can't complain. Except for that George Carlin bit. Where he says, what sense does that make? If you vote, and you vote incompetent morons in the office, how can, I have every right to complain. I didn't do this. You've done this to me. Can't yeah, vote. Well. Although my, my, one had, uh, my one voting advice would be, there's two kinds of people. There's uh, two types who don't vote. So there's either the apathetic or there's the the people who the apathetic are the people who just don't care, like that they have no interest or they have no knowledge about what's going on, which is their prerogative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other people that don't vote because they don't like any either of the two major candidates, uh, which is particularly appealing this year to have that argument. Um, I would, uh, I guess, my advice would just be: if you are a person who is not apathetic but is disinterested in these two candidates, just just write in something. You have to you have to show that you're disinterested. Don't be ap- don't be apathetic and not vote because then they don't know what you're not voting for. So you have to go in and actively vote against Biden and Trump at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the way to go forward. So write in Mickey Mouse. Write in whoever the fuck you want. Write in Captain Jonathan Archer. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And we'll see what it is. Yeah. Unless you're in a Because you know state. what? Because they definitely write all that stuff down and there is a log of it somewhere. It all they, they keep track of Mickey Mouse. I know that because I was looking at Do the they Wiki- really? I was looking at the thing for Wikipedia and it's like there's a Wikipedia page about like the number of votes that Mickey Mouse gets every single election. <laughs> you know, and it's not unsubstantial. It's a it's a fairly impressive uh That's, showing that Mickey Mouse has. I'm surprised that hasn't turned into like some sort of screwball comedy where they're like you realize the number of people who write in mickey mouse over the years he could have been president eight times over that's right if i could just get everyone in the country to write my name in then we can you know one of those things i i uh i realized that you can't just write in a name i was doing my research i i was under the impression that a write-in was you just write the name of the person and they will count it for you but um you have to be approved but not on the ballot to have a write-in, at least in Massachusetts. Mm. That's how it works. So you have to like be on a secret list that you've collected 10,000 signatures or whatever, and then they will oh, sure. Then okay. they will count you in that vote. 
but that makes that makes sense. That seems like a much more yeah reasonable way to handle that than everybody writing in, you know, Peter Frampton or something. Right, and right sudden, writing Frampton, in the guy, the president of the United States. Yeah, yeah. So I guess every, otherwise everyone gets bundled into some sort of other thing. Um, but that's it. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Do you have any? Do you have any election predictions? I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> you're gonna jinx, your, in, you're gonna jinx yourself. Yeah, I, I'm. Five thirty-eight has Biden at ninety percent. That's great. I, I hope they're right. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm pulling for Vermin Supreme or whoever's running. That's for right. Whatever, yeah, the, liber- no, the libertarian. Not, no, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, ju- I just don't want to. Uh, I don't think my stress level can handle that at the moment. So do you I'll have, be happy. Do you have little, election night more plans? Than, uh, what did you luckily, do last election? Last election was last election taught me everything about what I want to do. Now it's just I'll vote. I'm not going to read anything. I'm not going to mm-hmm. check anything. We'll see how it goes in the morning. It was like such yeah. a the the last one was it's and also when you're just following it, it's just fucking like Anderson Cooper going like, let's see the latest path to two seventy. Right. It's like if he wins Pennsylvania, right. it's like oh what the fuck? Like just tell me what happens when it's all over. It's not going to change anything. Last election was basically me going like, huh, what was that bump? I don't know. It's not like we hit an iceberg or anything. Mm-hmm. You want another drink? And then uh, you just, I kept watching the water levels get higher and higher around me. And then all of a sudden uh, the boat was in the water. Yeah, it was strange. It was just a, I can't, I, interesting. Trump Trump won that state an hour later. So yeah, it's interesting. He won that state too. And then mm-hmm. we'll see what it is. But 90%, he's got, Trump's going to win. <laughs> That's the thing, There's no man. way. He, I, it's like what, what's ever gone wrong for him in his life. Like, has anything ever gone wrong where someone's like something didn't work out for him? I, I see no way where Trump doesn't win this election. I don't know. I, I feel like even I feel like even nature is is pull, pushing against him this <laughs> this time around. And it's gonna if he wins this, he's gonna he's gonna just believe he's gonna believe he is a god. I mm-hmm. think. So I think he does. He he believes that at this he point. He probably does already. Just, yeah. Did you hear the it. thing about? After when he got released from the hospital with COVID, he wanted to do a Willy Wonka thing where he was going to walk out onto the balcony like all yeah feeble, huddled up and infirmed and feeble. And then he wanted to pull his shirt open and have a Superman symbol <laughs> underneath it. Yep. Yeah. So I, that's 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 what I would do. I think. Yeah. <laughs> For all of his um. For all of his sins, he does have terrific energy. He is extremely energetic for a seventy-five-year-old man in a way that Biden isn't. It's uh, it's really kind of upsetting. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us know, everyone, if you voted down below. Go vote. Um, but we found ourselves much. Like I'm really looking this forward. Alien I'm really looking situation. forward to uh, the election not being called until the fifth, so then we can steal Guy Fox Day. Away from the away from the English there as something. That oh, is that uh, that's uh, November fifth? I believe so. I have a table coming the fifth, so I'm really looking forward to. That. <laughs> <laughs> so you've already you've already taken Guy Fox Day for yourself. It's just whatever, like, oh, whatever, it's whatever. Ta- whatever. So the table gets here. So. <laughs> and whatever comes to the election, as long as my table arrives on time, just keep the post. If office there's a scratch in that, that table, I'm going to blow up Parliament. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Happy Election Day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. We're done with Dawn. Next episode is Stigma, and we will see you next time.